Who are the top five offensive players for Michigan State football this season? Yes, conference realignment is back in the air. And then we go to the mailbag. What's more likely, 12-0 for our Spartans or 0-12? Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you all so much for tuning in to today's show of Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week as we lead ourselves to kick off in just a few weeks here. Hey, before we get going, please rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast or YouTube channel, however you are digesting this media. Well, first of all, thank you very much. But second of all, yeah, just throw us a subscribe or a review or a follow, whatever makes you happy. All right, let's get into the show here. Last week... We did top five defensive players of your Michigan State Spartans, starting with Jaden Mangum at number five and then working our way up to number one, Jacoby Windman. Now, hey, of course, we're going to flip sides of the field here. We're going to do the offense side of the ball here. And look, I gotta be honest, guys. Um, now gather around uh, for the pity party here. All right, uh, let's let's start thinking about me. How can I make this all about myself right now? Uh, look, defense. That was that was easy to do. All right, we all know the names on defense. We all know the returning starters coming back. You know the the Big Ten leading tackler in Cal Halliday, three time defense or Big Ten Player of the Week, Jacoby Winman. Very simple to do the defensive side of the ball. Guys, we we don't even know who the quarterback is going to be this season. We don't know who the starting running back is going to be this season. We know one starting receiver, but we don't know who else is going to be out on the field. Even the tight end is a mystery. So yes, everyone, please play a song on the world's smallest violin because this this was hard for top five offensive players of the season. Now, I fully expect this to change as the season goes along, as we start to see who reigns supreme in the wide receiver room. But for now, going into the season, this is our top five list of offensive players. And number five, well, we are going to start with one of those tight ends. And yes, we are going to start with a familiar name. Not Jalen Franklin, not Ty Neal Hopper, not Anamola Filet, or any of the other tight ends they got in the transfer portal. But the guy that's been here, Malik the Freak Carr, six foot five tight end. And hey, well, you tell me if there's any jump balls to be had this year as Jaden Reed has left, Keon Coleman has left, Malik Carr. Two touchdowns last year, big body, tight end, a passing game threat, no doubt about that. So that is who we have at number five, Malik the Freak Car going into his redshirt junior season. Number four, this is one of my favorite players on the team, if not just straight up my favorite player on the team here. It's Mr. Reliable. And you know who I'm talking about if you've listened to this show with that nickname or just watching him play, you already know we're talking about number four on this list, Trey Mosley. That's right, the guy that has been here ever since, it seems like ever since Tyler O'Connor was throwing passes. But yes, he is back for another super senior season. It's Trey Mosley. 19 of his 35 catches last year went for a first down or a touchdown. That is how he gets the name Mr. Reliable. If it's third and five, all right, you know he's going to have that dig route. He's going to have those sure hands. Very, very rarely do you see him drop a ball. And it's going to be his time to shine this year. We just talked about it. Coleman's gone. Reed is gone. Who is going to emerge from this wide receiver room and be the top dog? Well, there's one guy you're certain about being in that starting lineup, getting a good amount of the passes thrown his way early on. 
and that is Trey Mosley. It's going to be interesting to see where he's going to line up on the field. Is it going to be back in that slot? Is he going to play one of these wideout positions? But there's one thing that you can be certain of. It's that his sure hands will always be there for Michigan State this season. Number three, we are going to head to the ground game right here. And this is a guy that, hey, you've heard the stat many times. But last year in the final four games of the season, five yards per carry. That is Jalen Berger. That's right. A little, I don't want to call it a slow start last year. It was just a, okay, he seems like a pretty average running back for the first half of the season last year. And that's also not entirely Jalen Berger's fault. I mean, if you remember, which I think a lot of us do, not a lot of health with the offensive line in the offseason. So they were kind of just learning each other on the go there and that really saw well some not great things happen in the run game but by the second half of the season Jalen Berger was hitting the holes and when he did well mama there goes that man uh he was already in the third tier of the defense so yes number three Jalen Berger but he is not the only running back on this list number two yes we are going to go to the transfer portal we are going to get a newcomer on this top five list and that will be Nathan Carter, which that could be controversial in its own right because we don't even know who's going to have the bulk of the carries going into the season. Will it be Jalen Berger? Will it be Nathan Carter? Obviously, you can probably tell by now that I think it's going to be Nathan Carter by the end of the season. We'll have the most shares of the carries, maybe at like a 50 to 40% split over Jalen Berger. But hey, this is a stat that we've run off whenever we talk about Nathan Carter. Yes, just four games last year for UConn. However, after those four games, one of which was against Power 5 opponent Michigan, okay, pretty good run defense, led the nation, not just his conference, led the nation in yards after contact. You go ahead and look at any workout photo or video of Nathan Carter as well. It, it looks like he's CGI. The, the man has negative body fat, and he is ready to hit the ground running, pun intended, for Michigan State this year. And that brings us to number one. And yes... I did cheat for this one because we're using two names here. And it's going to be two names that, well, you already know are going to be a solid force for Michigan State and their calling card this year, which is going to be the offensive line. If there's any optimism to be had with the offense, well, it's the offensive line because they have the depth. All right, this is as deep as the offensive line will go. All right, and also, well, it's one of the few things on this offense that doesn't have a question mark surrounding it because you can count on J.D. Duplain and Nick Samak this year. They are tied for 1A and 1B. Both honorable mention all Big Ten last year. Both guys that have been here for quite some time. So yes, whether it's their skill that they have in the interior offensive line or just what they offer to all the young and up and coming linemen around them, that's going to be number one on our list because, hey, I truly believe that the offensive line will be a plus for Michigan State this season. And really, when's the last year that you can remember that? Uh, it's it's going to be a welcome sight to these eyes to see, well, not just Duplain and Samak back, but also just even the two deep is going to be looking good this year. Now, of course, there's honorable mentions all over the place, guys. Like, whoever the quarterback is could very well see themselves in the top five. We'll, we'll do a revamp of this when the bye week does roll around. Could Elante Brown be that guy that takes the top off of the defense? He is here to be that speed demon guy, former four-star recruit, comes here from Nebraska. Look, I, I want to see it before I really solidify him in the top five. But Tyrell Henry is another guy that fits that mold as well. Look, this, this offense is littered with 
you know, hopeful candidates for top five. But right now, as it stands, there we are. Really quick, guys, let's talk about realignment as well. It, it's back in the air. I, fun. I, I mean, just just when you thought 16 teams in the Big Ten wasn't enough, well, here we are. This report from Dan Wenzel, quote, A group of Big Ten presidents have begun exploratory discussions on expansion in light of Pac-12 uncertainty. Industry sources tell Yahoo Sports. Focus is on possibly adding Oregon and Washington to move to 18 members or Cal and Stanford to reach 20. Now, it's always seemed like Oregon and Washington were going to be the inevitable next two teams on the list, although there have been whispers of Clemson and Florida State as well, but let's just focus on the Pac-12. Fascinating to see Cal and Stanford on that list as well to reach it to, boy howdy, 20 teams, but a little more insight. This uh, first one from Pete Thamel, per Dan Wenzel report on Big Ten expansion talks. Sources indicated earlier this week that Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti was doing due diligence on Oregon and Washington. Those have intensified in last recent days, but the key remains Big Ten doesn't want to be predatory. I'll read that again. The key remains the Big Ten doesn't want to be predatory, would only move if other dominoes fall in the Pac-12. Nicole Arbeck of The Athletic doubles down on that as well, saying, I know people have rolled their eyes at this, but I do not think the Big Ten wants to be the one to deliver the final blow to the Pac-12. Oh, how nice of the Big Ten. Anyway, so I expect they'll monitor what happens with the Big 12 first. Dominoes would need to fall there first to act. That's the funniest thing that you will read or hear this week, is that the Big Ten, they don't want to be the one to decimate the Pac-12. No, no, no. Well, let's just all forget, please everyone forget, that uh, the Big Ten... Well, took this little school called USC and then a little school called UCLA to start the dominoes falling from the Pac-12. I mean, I'm sorry to use such a gruesome example, but this is like saying, hey, yes, I will I will deliberately hit that deer in the road with my car, but as it is on the side of the road twitching and clinging on for dear life, I refuse to be the one to get the shovel out of the back of my truck to, well, bludgeon it and put it out of its misery. I, like, what, what? who are we kidding here, Big Ten? We don't want to be predatory. Talk to us like adults, please. Okay, you guys are the ones that pillaged the Pac-12 to begin with. I mean, look, business is business. I still think that was the right move, the right thing to do, but now to act like, oh, we're just all kumbaya and we don't want to hurt the Pac-12. Okay, anyway. LinkedIn Jobs, which uh, some people from the Pac-12 might be having to use here pretty, pretty soon. Uh, These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and, best of all, for free. Gang, just create the job. It's so easy. Even I could do it. And if I could do it, you certainly can. So add your job, the purple hashtag hiring frame, to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Gang, it is so easy. It is no wonder why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So what are you waiting for? LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions. That's right, Buckaroo. They apply. All right, let's get 
into some more football here, and we're going to dive headfirst into the mailbag here. Evan comes in clutch with a great question that I'm sure some of us will be divided on, but hey, you know what? If you want to sound off on the opposite side or hey, you want to tell me here, comment below on YouTube or LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Evan writes, this one has my wheels spinning. What do you think would be more surprising? MSU to go 0-12 or 12-0? Losing to Richmond and CMU or beating OSU and the school down the road? Love the show. Go green. Well, I love you, Evan. I love this question. We're going to start with the what would be more surprising, 12-0 or 0-12 part of that question. And of course, I'm not, I can't just do this solo. I am going to lean on a crutch, but a very smart one at that. He goes by Dr. Green and White. Paul Fanson is his name. This great work at Spartans Illustrated. Not too long ago, he wrote a breakdown on Michigan State's schedule and what he does throughout the season every year as long as I can remember. He has projected spreads for the upcoming season. So that's going to help us a lot here in deciding, well, what does the math say would be more surprising? And would you look at that, the projected spreads, well, Michigan State is favored in six of those games and, well, not favored in six of those games. So we are at a true heat of a 6-6 six and six season. However, a little more context with those six projected wins for Michigan State and six projected losses. Now, Michigan State has two games that have an 80-plus percent chance of a Spartan victory. All right, that is against Central Michigan, who Dr. Green and White has 19-point favorites over the Chips. And then Richmond, MSU, 22-point favorites over the Spiders. Okay, so that's two games with an 80-plus percent chance of winning. However, okay, Michigan State also has two games with a 80%-plus chance of, well, losing. All right, they're slated to be 24-point underdogs against Ohio State and then against Michigan, 16-point underdogs. All right, so the other games. Let's talk about the other games here. Hey, those other four games that Michigan State is favored in. Let's get the spreads for that one. Maryland, one and a half points. Rutgers, three and a half points. And both Nebraska and Indiana, four and a half points. All right, those are kind of tight spreads. I mean, all those are less than five points, which obviously is less than a touchdown. A ball bounces the wrong way just once, and the whole game flips on its head. Now, for the games Michigan State is projected to lose, like the Minnesota game, seven and a half point underdogs. Washington, 10 and a half point underdogs. Iowa, 12 and a half point underdogs. And Penn State, 15 point underdogs going into the season. Okay. The games Michigan State is projected to win, you get the two good ones Central, Richmond, okay? The other four games, those are close. Whereas the six they're projected to lose, I, you don't even have any that are within a touchdown. Minnesota's your closest one with seven and a half. And I got to say, let's just take all the numbers and the fancy schmancy math out of it. Let's just put our fan watching the games in the corner of a bar on a stool hat on. I, I, I kind of see it that way as well. Look, Michigan State, two chip shots early on. I mean, they should beat, should beat, should beat, don't want to jinx it, CMU and Richmond. However... Uh, yeah, Michigan State has a top five hardest schedule in the country for a reason. It is going to be very hard to climb the mountain of Washington, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. So I'm going to have to say the bigger surprise, I hate to say it, would be 12-0 going into this season. Because, well, 
it'd be stunning, yes, to lose those two games against Central and Richmond off the top of the season to slip to an 0-12 season, but it'd be more shocking to not just win, like, one or two of those big four games, but all four of those games. I mean, I, I would also just combust spontaneously before the Big Ten Championship game even happens. Like, I wouldn't even exist to see it, but hey... It'd be a fun season for everyone else. Now, let's go to the other part of that question. Let's just take a look at a more micro level. Losing to Richmond and CMU or beating OSU in the school down the road, what would be more surprising between those two scenarios? Now, if you follow the numbers there, which I don't imagine any of you did. I don't think you guys wrote those down. But Richmond and CMU, if you add those point spreads together... That's a 41-point combined spread Michigan State would be favored in. All right, if you take the spread of the Michigan game and the Ohio State game, 40-point combined underdog. So it's a dead heat, really, of what would be more surprising. At least that's what the math is telling you on SpartansIllustrated.com from Dr. Green and White. But I think... Oh, God, and I, I hate to say this because we've been we've been doing a good job. As I'm going to pat our back here. We've been doing a good job of staying optimistic this offseason. But I think... The bigger surprise would be beating Ohio State and Michigan. Now look, it's not so much the Michigan part that concerns me. Don't get me wrong. I I, I don't think MSU walks away from that game on top. I'm sorry. They're they're 16-point favorites for a reason. They brought back a lot of talent from last year. However, okay, Michigan State... I don't know if anyone remembers here, but in the Mel Tucker era, actually, they have beaten Michigan as 20-plus point underdogs. It's the other side of that equation that really concerns me, the Ohio State part. Um, excuse me just for you know wanting to see a little something here, but I'm going to need to see Michigan State be somewhat competitive against Ohio State before I ever think that they can beat them. The last three games against Ohio State, all three games in the Mel Tucker era, have been lost by an average, an average, an average of 39 points, guys. Uh, last year was the closest. Only lost to the Buckeyes by 29 points. Now, let's just all forget that it was 49-13 to 13 going into the fourth quarter, and it was essentially over after three Ohio State drives, but th- that was hard. Whereas, look, the opening game against Central, Michigan State, their favorite, obviously, but there's still a lot of question marks. You're breaking in a lot of new players, and the start of the season, again, we talked about this yesterday with Dalton Shetler, very recent interview with uh, Dan Campbell on part of my take, and I've referenced this just because he put it so greatly, is that Dan Campbell said your first few weeks of the season are more about who makes the least amount of mistakes. You have new receivers, new quarterbacks. I I mean, that, that's where mistakes can possibly happen. So, no, I don't think MSU is going to lose a Central. I don't think it should be close, quite frankly. But I can see that a little easier than I can see that the Spartans rolling into Columbus to take down the Buckeyes. And the Richmond Spiders, look, I mean, they're a competent FCS team. They went 9-4 and four last year, made it to the second round of the FCS playoffs before losing to number 2 Sacramento State by only a touchdown. Again, MSU should clobber them. But it's a competent FCS team, and we've seen competent FCS teams muck it up here early in the season across the country, uh, especially in the last few years. So, again, you, you should have no problem. But if I had to choose, what would be more surprising? Beating the Wolverines and the Buckeyes. But please do. Please do that, guys. All right. 
Other question here from Matt. That's right, not me. Another Matt. There's another Matt out there, probably a smarter one. I'd like to ask this question on Twitter, but it'd be too long, and Daddy Elon is not getting my $8. There we go. Way to play it tight there, Matt. Do you have a hierarchy of rooting interest on college football Saturdays? Here is what I mean. And he gave a list of his hierarchy as well, saying, hey, well, the first team is the school I root for and the school that me and my wife both attended undergrad at, Michigan State. And then he also said, okay, his second school is Penn State. That's where his brother and his sister-in-law go. And then the one that his sister went to, third place, Northwestern, also added a yikes there. That might... That's going to be a long season for your sister there. And then went down the family lineage. Grandfather's undergrad, Nebraska. Grandmother's undergrad, Iowa State. And then the rest of the Big Ten. And then, at the very, very end, added Notre Dame and Michigan. Now, it sounds like Matt here has half of the Big Ten locked up just in family ties alone. And over here in, in my family tree, it's it's all green and white, man. It's all Sparty. Uh, the only one that I can think of at the top of my head immediately that did not go to Michigan State is my mom. But she went to Central because, well, she grew up around Michigan State as a Spartan fan. So it is all green and white around here. So I don't have like, uh, hey, this is where my great-grandfather went. No, it's, it's all Michigan State locked tight at number one. All right, number two. Any team that I have a bet on. I, let's not get that twisted. We light up the FanDuel app every single fall so yeah it's going to be any team that i even have a 50 cent bet on all the way up to well a bet amount that i will not say on air uh number three hey how about this one northern illinois because against all odds no idea how this is still possible rocky lombardi is still there slinging the ball into cobb illinois so yeah thank you for your service in the 2020 michigan game that was delightful so yeah i will be rooting for northern illinois this season now i want everyone to follow on carefully for number four this might be a little confusing but for the first half of the season on my rooting hierarchy i root for underdogs i root for chaos in the first half of the season the second half of the season I'm going to be rooting for a lot of favorites. And I'm guarding myself here. Because, look, I root for Michigan State. I think they'll have an okay year. But I would be lying to you if I said that I did not have my eye down the road to a team that's due to have another really good year. Honestly, if we're going to have an honest dialogue about the Wolverines, anything short of a national title, complete failure of a season. And I don't think that's wrong to say at all with the talent that they have coming back. So with that said... When the cream is starting to rise to the top at the second half of the year, I don't want any team that is walking into November with one loss or zero losses to falter and give themselves two losses and knock themselves essentially out of the playoff to further give Michigan a cushion of making their playoff. So, yes, first half of the season, hey, let's let those FCS schools beat all those big bad boys. Let's let those lower-tier SEC teams beat up on LSU, for example. But once... The playoff picture starts to get clear. I want all those teams in the top 10, except one of them, the one down the road, to win all of their games. Now, after that, number five, just the middle of the road Big Ten teams, you know, like your Purdue's, your Illinois. I have no problem rooting against them. Number six, the service academies. And that's another one that Matt mentioned in his email, too. But you got to give a shout-out to Air Force, Army, Navy, the service academies as well. Number seven, I have a meteor to strike the earth. Uh, that is number seven on my rooting hierarchy for college football Saturdays. And then number eight are the good Big Ten teams, minus Michigan. Like, sure, 
Right after the meteor striking the earth, I will root for Penn State. I will root for Ohio State. I will cheer on Wisconsin over there. Uh, and then right after that, number nine, I will be rooting for the sun to engulf the earth and all of humanity and everything that God himself created. I will root for that number ninth on my hierarchy. And then number ten is the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, so that is my hierarchy for uh, every single Friday, Saturday, or once the Mac gets going, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, love that. Love that question, Matt. So thank you very much. Darren has another solid question here, and this is completely off the football field. This is in the bars, in the frat houses, I guess in the student section of Spartan Stadium as well. But he writes, in honor of moving up from three days a week to being a month away. That's right. We used to do three days a week not too long ago. Now we do five days a week here. What are your top five songs all freshmen should know before coming to Michigan State? Whether it's a go-to at the bar or frats or a pregame, must, or yeah, sorry, just any five songs they should know. Now, we'll get the two out of the way very quickly. The fight song, okay, and then Thy Shadows, the alma mater. Those are the, the two chip shots right there that we're just going to give you. Now, after that... I had a really hard time because, hey, I graduated in 2014, and when I really sit down and think about that, that was 10, that was 10 years ago. Uh, so, I don't know if No Hands by Waka Flocka Flame, Roscoe Dash, that national anthem of a son, can be in the rest of the top five here. I actually pose this question to the rest of Twitter because, again... Ten years ago is when I graduated, so I was really hoping that young people would come to my rescue here and give out their songs as well. And we had some, you know, Roses by Outcast, which is an old song. Some people did say, no, No Hands is a good song to have. We had uh, a thrift shop as well for Macklemore. However, I think we have three songs that can make the list. And no, one of them is not Sweet Caroline. Although I really wanted to put that in my top five because, hey, Michigan State has their own version. And I thought that was a version that every other college had when it goes like, so good, so good, so good. It, any party I was at at Michigan State, it was so good, so good, so effing good. Can't say the actual word because I do like having this job at the Lockdown Network. But went to a different party at a different college, belted that version out. No one else did. Got a lot of weird looks after that. But, yeah, so that's an honorable mention. Sweet Caroline, uh, the, you know, the the... The F-word version. <laughs> Alright, the other three songs, though. Other than the fight song and thy shadows that we're going to lock in here. First day out. That's right. T. Grizzy. Of course, the philosopher T. Grizzy. Uh, he had a rap song because he went to Michigan State. He got kicked out of Michigan State and first day out, well, references what he did at Hubbard Hall. And so it, honestly, love that song. That one is a banger. Number two, Thunderstruck. Used to be... The intro song, the run out of the tunnel song for the football team, but in general, just a great song to begin with. And is there a drinking game tied to it? There may or may not be. Very fun, though. Very unfortunate if you are at the losing end of that game, or it just jump starts your night. And then the third song, it was obvious. I should have just had this written down to begin with, but a lot of you fine folks on Twitter came in with this one. Rich Homie Quan's Type of way. It is awesome that we are 10 years removed from the Rose Bowl, and that still gets a lot of play in East Lansing. A drop top my whip! Uh, Alright, so, 
yeah, type of way has to be in the top five right there. So thank you guys uh, for your input on Twitter. Thank you very much for the question, Darren. And yeah, God, we are almost at Welcome Week here for all the youngins getting back up to campus. And we are closer to kickoff. And as we get closer to kickoff, gang, if there's any news that breaks, we will be hearing from Mel Tucker tomorrow after practice. He will be speaking with the media. And then also, hey, not in the distant future, Tyler Hunt. That is right. Former player Tyler Hunt, he will join the show for a chat as well. We also start next week. Pick six previews, the best preview magazine, the publisher, Brett Ciancia. He joins the show as well to kick off your week. But until then, hey, enjoy the rest of this week. Love you all. Go Green.